Uh, If you're new with us, my name is Trent, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Epic, and we are in the middle of a series called Into the Light. And in this series, we are exploring um, a tension that we all feel in life. It's a tension between light and darkness. And what we said in this series is that, that light represents God's truth. It represents God's principles. It represents us applying God's truth to our lives and being transformed by that truth. And we said that darkness represents everything opposite of that. It represents everything that pulls us away from God's truth. And there's a lot of things in our world that try to pull us away from God's truth. And if we're all very honest about ourselves, we would say that we are equally attracted to both of those things. We're equally attracted to the light of God's truth, and we're equally attracted to the darkness that our world provides. And when we try to manage the tension between those two things, we don't do a very good job of it, and we just end up living in the shadows. We're close enough to God's truth to get the benefits from it. We're also close enough to the things that we enjoy in the darkness. We're not fully in either one of those things, and we've just found ourselves in the middle, in the shadows, maybe in a comfortable place, a place that God doesn't really ultimately want any of us. Now, we live in the shadows in many areas of our lives. We live in the shadows theologically in our understanding of God. We live in the shadows relationally with each other. We live in the shadows morally, and we even live in the shadows financially. And that's where our story is going to take us today. It's going to take us to a guy who thought he had everything that our world could offer him in his context, in his culture. I mean, he had it made. And yet Jesus was going to reveal to him that he was only hiding in the shadows. Not everyone has life handed to them. No, most of us don't. But sometimes, sometimes we can break through to that good life. I'm that rags to riches story. I'm a member of the council. While most men are 40 years old before they reach this position, I made it at 25. I've worked hard to get to this life, but now I have everything I could ever dream of. Everything you could ever dream of. The hot wife, the houses, the parties, the clothes, the food, the comforts. I have it all, and I did it honestly. The commandments that God has given my people, I have kept every one of them. Do not murder. I've never as so much as hit another human. Do not bear false witness. Honesty, that's my policy. I have lived a good life, and God has blessed me greatly because of it. So when the rabbi came into town and agreed to meet with me, I thought the conversation would be simple. I wanted to know what I needed to do to gain eternal life. I mean, what good is a good life if it ends with my last breath, right? Let's face it, if anyone deserves eternal life, it's gonna be me. I'm a good person. I follow the commandments. I'm successful. I am what everyone wants to be. In front of all my friends, he's gonna say, you've done it. You've earned eternal life. He might even give me a pat on the back. Yeah, this is the life. So that video introduces us to a character in the Bible known as the rich young ruler. And depending on the translation you have, it might just say rich man. Uh, We don't know much about him. We don't know his name. All we know that he was a wealthy local religious leader in his community, and he had it made. And he was the guy that everybody looked up to, the guy that everybody wanted to be like. And his story is found in Luke chapter 18. And starting in verse 18, it says, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, 
good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this guy thought that eternal life, a relationship with God that would last forever, was based upon doing right things. It was based upon earning it, very similar to the story we looked at several weeks ago when we watched Nicodemus, another religious leader, come and talk with Jesus. And and Jesus corrected Nicodemus by saying, it's not about earning it. It's not about uh, doing right things. It's about believing. It's about believing that Jesus died so you can live. It's about entering that personal relationship that will last for all of eternity. Now, today we're going to watch Jesus uh, approach this guy in a different way. He's going to use a different strategy with this guy because he, he knows something about this rich young ruler that I think that God may know about many of us. So in verse 19, Jesus replied, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. And I wonder if Jesus paused in that moment. I wonder if there was a pause in that sentence and he just paused, giving this big implication, only God is truly good. Do you understand who you're talking to? Do you understand I am God in the flesh right here, right now, and I can ultimately answer your question? But I don't think this guy picked up what Jesus was saying. And I don't think anybody around him in the community as they were listening to this interaction, I don't think they picked up on what was going on. So Jesus continued on in verse 20. He said, to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not uh, testify falsely. Honor your father and your mother. And the man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. And I wonder if there was a little bit of ego in that response. Now here he is standing in front of Jesus, standing in front of Jesus' disciples, maybe other people in the community gathered around to to hear this conversation. And I'm wondering if he's thinking, man, if anybody deserves eternal life, it's me. Like, look at me. God's hand of favor is on me. I mean, I'm living the good life. I'm obeying the commandments. I'm doing everything that God wants me to do. God's showering his favor on me. Everybody wants to be me. And I wonder if he was just waiting for Jesus to say, oh, if you've done all that, then you're good. You're really good. In fact, you're so good, you're gonna gain eternal life. But Jesus is about to shine a light into this guy's life. He's about to reveal that there's a darkness in him that he doesn't even realize. Now, there are three recordings of this story in the Bible. This story is found in the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, and the book of Luke. And each story gives us a little bit of different insight into what happens in this interaction. So in Mark chapter 10, it says this, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. So Jesus has this guy, he comes up and he, he says, listen, I want to know how to gain eternal life. And Jesus looks at him and, and he can see straight through his shadows. He knows what's going on in his life. He knows the, the dark spots. He knows what he is lacking. He knows what he doesn't have. And out of his genuine love, he says, like, there's something you're missing. There's something that you don't have. You think you have it all. You've got all this stuff. You've got everything that your community would want and more but there's something you're missing. 
It's out of Jesus' love that he's about to shine the light of his truth into this guy's life. And I think that's something that we all need to remember. When, when God comes along and shines his light into our lives, we need to remember that he does that out of love. There's genuine love that God has for us. He doesn't uh, enjoy just messing with us for the fun of it. He, he doesn't want to just cause unnecessary pain. God comes along and says, I love you. There's something that you're missing, something that you don't have. So there's something that I want to I address with you, something I want to reveal to you, maybe a dark corner in your life that I, I want you to, to deal with. So God always does stuff like that out of love. So if God shines his light into your life at any point in your journey, it's out of God's love. Now this morning, I think God might shine his light into some of our lives. And I just got to warn you that a number of us might feel uncomfortable as God does that. The interesting thing is when God shines his light onto someone's life, some of that light shines a light into our lives. And we have to make a decision as well. As that light shines into our world, we got to decide, what am I going to do with this? Am I going to step towards the light? Am I going to step away from the light? What am I going to do? So you might feel a little uncomfortable with what we're going to talk about today. The only people who probably won't feel uncomfortable are the people who would say they're not Christ followers. So if you're here today and say, listen, I... Somebody invited me to church. It was a cold day. I didn't know what else to do, so I, I pulled in. Um, thought maybe I'd get some coffee. Um, if that's you, you cl- don't claim to be a Christ follower. Today, sit back, relax. You're off the hook. Jesus isn't talking to you. Watch the rest of us squirm and have fun at it, okay? Um, but I think the rest of us, really, if, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, the rest of us have a few things to wrestle with in this conversation. Now, With genuine love in his heart, Jesus said to this guy, there's still one thing you haven't done. Now, being the wealthy guy that he was, I'm sure that he whipped out his new iPhone 6 in order to capture what Jesus was going to say. So he was about to be given the last thing that he needs to do in order to gain eternal life. So he's thinking, listen, I've done all this stuff and Jesus is about to give me the one last little bit of information. I don't want to miss it. Whips out the phone. This is going to be great. I'm going to capture this information and then everybody's going to know I'm the man. Next time Jesus walks through town, he's going to point me out and he's going to say, that's the guy who has eternal life. Like if you want to know how to get eternal life, then you need to interact with this guy. You got to be like him. You got to live like him. You got to do what he does. And so he, he's ready. I mean, he's got his phone ready and says, okay, Jesus, let's go. My thumbs are ready. I'm ready for typing. And Jesus goes, here's what you need to do. I want you to sell all of your belongings. I want you to give that money to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. So I think he was busy, you know, typing. You know, you know how you're busy typing? Like, you want to get the information. You're in class, maybe at school or at work. Somebody tells you something. Here we go. Sell all I have. Hold on, backspace, backspace, sell. Okay, awesome, great, Jesus. What's next? Wait a second. New phone, new software, maybe a glitch. Um, it auto-corrected and said, sell everything I own. <laughs> like, I know you wouldn't say that. So please say it again. And I think Jesus would have come back and said it again. Yeah, that's what I said. Sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then 
come follow me. Now here's where this guy goes from feeling great to feeling like he's going to throw up his breakfast. Like what? You just asked me to do what? Like I'm the man in this community and you want me to give all of that up? Jesus just put his finger on the very issue that this guy needed to wrestle with. He just shined the light of his truth onto this dark area of this guy's life and he had to decide, what am I gonna do in this very uncomfortable moment? See, the thing about Jesus is he knows everything about us. And so he was able to tell in this guy's life that he was following most of God's commands, but there was one major command that he was not following. And that was the first commandment. You shall not have any other gods but me. You have no other gods in, in front of me. And you see, this guy had been worshiping his stuff. He'd found security in the things that he owned. And, and he thought that, that that brought him the identity that he wanted to have. And he didn't even realize that his stuff owned him. And he didn't own it anymore. Somewhere in the accumulation of wealth and stuff, new clothes, bigger tent, more camels, donkeys, and sheep, laptops, iPhones, you know, better office at work. His stuff had taken ownership over him. And Jesus knew that. Jesus looked into his life, saw through the shadows, said, there's one thing holding you back in your relationship with God. It's your love for things. You love money and stuff way too much. And so as this young ruler stood in the light of God's truth, he had a decision to make. Was he going to allow his eyes to adjust to Jesus' truth? Was he going to deal with what Jesus was revealing? Or was he going to take a step back into the shadows? I knelt in front of him and asked him what I needed to do to gain eternal life. He named the commandments. I couldn't help but smile. I've kept all these things since I was a kid. Not only am I a member of the ruling council at an age younger than the rest of my colleagues, but here I am on my way to achieving eternal life. But then, then he continued. He said I lacked one thing. He said to go and sell all my possessions and give it to the poor and go and follow him. This teacher, this homeless rabbi, he said I needed to sell my land, my nice clothes, my treasures to give to the poor. That's the cost of eternal life. To give up this life I worked so hard for, this position I achieved, this money that I earned, and to sell it and give it all to the poor and to follow him. The poor haven't done anything to earn it. I did. I sacrificed a lot to get here. I kept the letter of the law. And he's asking me to give it all up for the poor so I can follow him? He was supposed to say I made it, that I earned my way to eternal life. That's what he was supposed to say. Instead, he says I lack one thing. So Mark chapter 10 tells us this man's countenance changed after he heard Jesus. I mean, there was a visible change in how he was interacting. And he walked away from Jesus very sad because he had many possessions. As he looked into the light of, of the truth that Jesus was shining, he said, that's way too bright. That's way too uncomfortable. Jesus, you're asking way too much of me. Why don't we just go back to where we have this nice thing going on, where I check off these boxes in a way to earn a relationship and you just leave my stuff alone. So this guy took a big step back into the shadows. Now here's where this message gets personal for all of us. 
Many times we are just like this young ruler. Many times we allow our money and our stuff to keep us from growing fully in a relationship with God and following him the way that God wants us to. Many times we follow Jesus to a point. And then when that light comes along and gets shined on that thing, we get real uncomfortable. And we say, like, I I don't know if I want to keep moving forward in this relationship, if this is the expectation. You know, we don't mind when God comes along and says, hey, I want you to serve more. We go, yeah, I get that. I understand I'm I'm a busy person. I need to serve more. That'd be great. We don't mind when God comes along and says, hey, I I would love for you to to maybe give some money to some organizations that help people in need or maybe give some of your stuff, you know, those clothes that you don't wear, you know, give them to Goodwill or something. You know, we feel pretty good about that. We don't mind God asking us to do that. And we don't mind coming to church and hearing some challenging messages every once in a while. We understand that that's a part of a relationship with God. But when Jesus points at the very thing that kind of controls us, it gets a little uncomfortable. And more than that, it gets a lot uncomfortable. And there are times that we tell God, like, like God, it's okay for you to have control over much of my life. But Not all of my life. I mean, I don't mind you telling me to serve. I don't mind you telling me to love people. I don't mind you telling me to be more compassionate. But like, you just crossed the line. Like, who do you think you are? God. Who gave you the authority to be in control over my life and to tell me what to do with everything that I have? Now, before you tune me out, okay, Hang in with me for for just a moment. I I think this next part is worth the price of admission, okay? And if you paid to get in, we'll, we'll pay to get out, all right? So nothing competes more for our love for God than our pursuit and management of wealth. Nothing has the ability to pull us back into the shadows than our desire and our pursuit of money and stuff, And God knows that about us. He knows that our hearts are intricately tied to possessions and things that we have, tangible things that we can feel. And so Jesus came along and said in Matthew chapter six, listen, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. God knows if we aren't careful, our money and our stuff will start owning us and we won't own them. And if we put our money and our stuff before God, we'll drift back into the shadows and live in the darkness. But if we put God in his proper place, if we put God before our money and our stuff, we'll be able to stand firmly in God's truth. We won't be controlled by our possessions. We won't be held back in our relationship with God because God has control over us, not our things. Now, let me tell you how this applies to me. For many years of my life, uh, I ran from God when it came to trusting him with my money and my stuff. Uh, anytime I would come to a church service and hear a pastor like this today talk about uh, finances or wealth or stuff, I, I mean, I would start squirming in my seat. I would tune him out. I'd think about what I was going to do the rest of the week. I'd, I'd think, you know, maybe he's talking about somebody else. Maybe he's talking about somebody else who makes more money than I, I do. Obviously, he's not talking about me. 
And then if God were to ever stir my heart to give some money to someone in need or to give something I had to someone in need, I would think, where did that thought come from? I mean, that's the weirdest thing ever. Maybe I had you know, some bad pizza last night or something. I mean, that's, that, let's just move on from that. So I just didn't want to be bothered by God when it came to that area of my life. And so I would hide my money and my stuff as best I could from God. I would shield it. I really didn't want God to see it. I tried to keep that in the shadows. I tried to keep that out of his spotlight. But here's what God uh, knows about me and might know about you. My money and my stuff at times have had more control over me than I've had over it. My money and my stuff have had more control over me than God has had over me. So in 1998, God opened up an opportunity for me and my wife and two young kids at the time to go on an adventure, move back to Virginia and uh, finish a graduate degree in counseling that I thought would help me get more money and more stuff. So that was kind of the path that I was on. I thought, you know, I'll get this degree, open up a private practice counseling center, and, and it'll help me get more security and more stuff and um, more uh, wealth that I was interested in. And the interesting thing about this journey is I went to the college that we had this uh, agreement. They would pay for my schooling while I worked for them, which was a cool deal. And on top of that, they would give me uh, a small salary. And the, the small salary was $700 a month. And if you've forgotten, $700 doesn't go very far in a month. And so for two years, my wife and I and two kids lived off of $700 a month. And while we were doing that, God again shined the light of his truth into that area of money and possessions. And he asked me, Trin, are you going to trust me with this? And I thought, this is craziness. This is craziness. I mean, God, look at what we make. It's like nothing. And you're asking me to trust you with this. And he said, yeah, will you trust me? So after years of running from God, I said, okay, it's time to start trusting you with my money and my stuff. And a key component of this, and um, you can tell my wife thanks later for this, but a key component was me handing the management of our money over to my wife, which was a major deal, okay? That was a big deal for me because I like to control my money and my stuff. I didn't want her to have total control over it. Then I wouldn't have the control over it. So God said, you need to let her run your finances. Here's the first thing my wife did. She took our checkbook and said, Trent, we need to give this to God. We're gonna start following him and what he wants us to do start applying his principles. And I'm going, like, you understand what you're saying, right? Like, when you hand that to God, he'll use it how he wants. You really want to do that? And she said, yeah, and I know you do too. I said, you're right. After a long time of running, I, I want to do that. So we began this journey, weirdest thing ever, of, of writing a check to our church that we were a part of, 10% of our income. So for us, it was $70 a month, $35 every two weeks. We'd write a check, and I'd look at it and go, nobody needs $35. I mean, we need $35. The church doesn't need $35. And Tammy said, yeah, but we're stepping into the light of God's truth. And so we'd write that check and, and put it in. And we began this journey of watching God do what only God can do. 
watching God meet our needs in only ways that God can meet our needs. And here's the deal. We moved there with $5,000 in credit card debt and ended up accumulating several thousand dollars in medical bills while we were there unexpected. And we left there with no debt. I couldn't pay off the debt with the, the full-time job that we had prior to going there. And then we get there and, and live off of $700 a month. And somehow we pay that off. How did that happen? I don't know. Other than we took a step in the light of God's truth and trusted him. Said, God, we can't figure it out. We can't manage our finances. You can. So we're going to trust that you'll manage them better than we can. So we took that leap of faith and watched God do what only God could do. While we were exploring with that and having a great time just watching God do amazing things, we thought, well, what else does God want us to do? I mean, this is kind of cool. God's meeting needs in ways that we could never understand. So what else might God want us to do? Thought came in our mind, help other people in need. Wow, new, novel idea for us. And again, I'm going like, what? Where'd that come from? Okay, here we go. We're stepping in the light of God's truth. So look around and see, is there somebody in need? I want you to help them. So on two occasions in our journey, we felt like God wanted us to give our cars away. And there weren't brand new cars or anything. We were in a transition of cars. And so instead of trading the car in or selling the car and taking that money to put it towards the next car, just felt like God said, hey, there's some people around you in need. I want you to give those cars to those people. I go, oh, okay, we'll do that. So we gave two cars away. And uh, we're able to bless some folks that needed cars at that season of their lives. And guess what happened after that? God gave us two cars back. Weirdest thing ever. God gave us two cars back at, at different seasons of our journey when we were in need of transportation. Now, let me correct something that you might think you're hearing from me. I am not saying that you give and God's going to give it right back. I'm not saying you give a Pinto, God's going to give you a Hummer. That's not what I'm teaching here. That's bad theology, okay? The point is we can't outgive God. It's not possible. God says, listen, I want you to give to prove that I have control of your heart and I'll give you back. Sometimes God gives us back a physical need that we have, specifically. You, you know, sometimes, again, you give a car, maybe you'll get a car back, I don't know. But that's not the point. It, it's not that we get on this hamster wheel where we go, okay, I think I've figured out the psychology of God. If I give, he'll give back. It'll be awesome. I can get more stuff that way. That's not what this is about. It's about giving so that stuff doesn't have control over us. It's about stepping into the light of God's truth and saying, God, you have control. Do what you want. Bless me the way that you want to bless me and let me bless other people the way that you want me to bless other people as well. Now, let me just be clear about something else as well. I'm not telling you this uh, to pat myself on the back in any way. Giving away a couple of used cars isn't a big deal. I know some of you have given away far more than I have ever given. But the reason I'm sharing this is I wanted you to know there's a moment in my life where I had to come to and say, listen, I have this decision to make, like this rich young man. I have a decision to step into the light of God's truth or to step back in the shadows. And in that moment, I said, listen, I'm not running anymore. I've done that enough. I mean, God has shined his light of his truth into my life so many times. And I've stepped into the shadows again and again and again and again. And it always leads me to the same place. So this time, I'm going to step into your truth and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to hand you my checkbook. I'm going to hand you my stuff 
And I'm going to say, you're in control of it. Do what you want. The more that we did that, the more that we listened to God's whispers, the more that we trusted God, the more stuff and money lost its grip on our lives. I can't think of too many things that have grown my relationship with God more than trusting him with my wealth and possessions. Maybe serving is another one of those things. Two major components in my my spiritual journey with God. So if you want to know, how do I grow in a relationship with God? How do I grow closely to him? There'd be two major things I'd say. Serve and trust him with your finances. Those two things in my personal life have grown me in ways that, that other things haven't. And so if you really want to grow exponentially in your relationship with God, again, I, I encourage you, trust God with your money, your stuff, and get active in serving. Now, I want us to circle back into the story for a moment and think about what this rich young ruler communicated when he walked away from Jesus. He was saying, my stuff is more important than you are. So, I mean, get the scene. I mean, Jesus tells him this thing that he needs to gain eternal life and have a closer relationship with, with God. And in that moment, his face changes. He walks away and says, Jesus, you're just not that good enough for me. You're not worth that. My stuff is more valuable to me than you are my stuff that will wear out, my stuff that will fall apart, my stuff that will need repaired and replaced is more important than you. And get what this guy walked away from. Jesus said, come follow me. He got an invitation to sit on the front row of what Jesus was doing in the world and to be a part of what was happening through Jesus' disciples as they transformed the world. We don't know his name, but Maybe if he would have stepped into the light of God's truth, maybe we would have known his name. Maybe he would have been one of the guys, of, one of the disciples who wrote a part of the New Testament or a book in the New Testament. We're not sure because this guy stepped back into the shadows. So that, you're just asking way too much. I just can't do that. So he chose his money and stuff over Jesus. But what about you? Is there anything in your life that has more control over you than you have over it. Is there anything in your life that you're saying like, this is mine? Like you can have you know, all this stuff over here, you know, I'll, I'll serve, I'll come to church, I'll, you know, I'll do all this great stuff, I'll serve on you know, 3G Sunday this coming up, this will be awesome. But this stuff right here, it's mine. I don't want you to shine your light into that area. Now, let me clarify one more thing out of this passage. I don't think that Jesus is telling all of us to sell everything we own and live like homeless people. Like, I don't think that's what the point of this interaction was. Um, I don't know of any other encounter in the Bible where Jesus told anybody else that. Uh, He didn't tell that to Nicodemus. When Nicodemus, another wealthy religious leader, came to talk to him, he didn't say that to him. But with this guy, he knew this guy, that was the thing that was holding him back. That was what this guy needed to do in order to move forward in his relationship with God. So the point isn't sell everything and and live on the streets. The point is, does God have more control over you than your stuff does? So I think God is shining the light of his truth on all of us as he does on a regular basis, but through this series specifically, and today as well. I think God is just shining a light into, into our lives and he's asking us, 
Will you make a decision? Will you step into my light? Or will you step back into the shadows? And over the past three weeks together, we've seen two people that wrestled with that light. It was so blinding. Nicodemus stepped into the light of God's truth. The woman at the well stepped into the light of God's truth. The rich young ruler stepped back into the shadows. So what will you do with the light that God is shining in your life? In whatever area that he might be revealing to you this morning. As we close today, our worship team is going to come out in a minute and they're going to sing a relatively new song called Oceans. And there's a few lines out of it that I I want us to just process through and filter through uh, what we're talking about today with this trusting God with our money and our stuff. One of the lines says, you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown where feet may fail. And that's what often it it feels like when we're taking a leap of faith with God. It's like, God is calling me into a place where I don't know. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. It's scary. It's a leap of faith. I don't know what's out there. Like I'm stepping out of a boat under the water and, and, and thinking God wants me to walk on water. Like, I just don't get it. I don't understand this. And then that verse continues. It says, and there I find you in the mystery. That's often where we find God. It's in those leaps of faith. It's in those moments where we can't figure it out on paper. We can't solve that problem mentally. And God says, it's a God principle. I want you to step out and trust me. I can handle it. I'm a God of abundant resources. I can meet your needs in ways that you can't even begin to meet your needs. Will you step out and find me in the leap of faith? Another line says, spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Imagine that. Imagine living a life where your trust in God is without borders. What could you not do? What could you not do in your life? What could you not do in your family? What could you not do at work or in your community or around the world? What could we not do as a church if we as a church said, we want to be a people that have trust without borders, that we just trust God for everything? I think that we would live generously. I think that we would love deeply. We would trust fully. We would live passionately. We would live lives without fear of what this world is, has coming against us because we trust our God more than anything or anyone. So as we sing this closing song, I encourage you to process through whatever God is shining on in your life. Maybe there's a dark area in your life. Maybe there's a lack of trust in God over finances or maybe possessions. And maybe God is shining his light and asking you to do something, asking you to step into his light and you've got to decide what you're going to do. So during this song, I encourage you to wrestle with that. I encourage you to determine to step into the light of God's truth. Now let's pray together and then our worship team will come out and guide us. God, you know our hearts. You know what owns us. You know what keeps us from a life-changing relationship with you. And today you've shined the light of your truth into our lives. And you ask us to make a decision. You ask us to adjust our lives to your truth. You ask us to step out on faith and trust you to lead us. So Lord, I know a message like this can be very uncomfortable. 
I know that there's probably some people here today wrestling with their finances and trying to control them and manage them. And, and maybe today the thing that they need to do is go home and grab their wallet, their purse, their checkbook, their credit card, whatever, and hold it up to you and say, God, it's yours. I will, I will do what you ask me to do with it. I will live the way that you want me to live. I will live within my means. I will figure out how to bless other people with the resources that you've given me. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage, all of us the courage, to do that. And Lord, there may be some folks here wrestling with this whole concept of tithing, giving 10% of our income back to you, something that our world looks at and says, that is crazy. Why would you ever want to do that? And yet, God, you ask us to do that as a recognition that everything we have comes from you and a reminder to us that you are in control, not our stuff. So, Lord, there may be some people here today wrestling with that, whether or not to become a tither, start giving back to you through a local church, give them the courage that they need to make that step. And Lord, there may be some others of us that are wrestling with stuff. We just love our stuff. Stuff that we have in our garage, stuff that we have in our closet, stuff that we have in a storage unit somewhere. And God, maybe you're asking us to open our eyes to the needs of people around us everywhere. And maybe to give some of that stuff away. To meet someone's need, to bless someone's life by giving something away. Again, a reminder to us that you've given it to us and we just want to hold it loosely. So Lord, whatever you reveal to us, I pray that you would give us the courage to step into your truth. Lord, to step out on the waters where it feels like we're going to fail. But Lord, that's often where we meet you, is in that mystery. So Lord, grow us, I pray, in our faith in ways that we could never comprehend. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is uh, Tim Jones, and I am one of the pastors on staff, and we just have several important announcements that we want to share with you before we go. If you would, uh, pick up your announcement sheet that's on your bench, and let me just highlight a few things that are coming up. If you are new with us today, we are so glad that you're here with us today. If you would like to know more information about Epic, please stop by our Connection Center and someone there would love to meet you and be able to answer any of the questions that you have about Epic. And then um, you guys did something amazing uh, last month. I don't know if you know this, but uh, you turned in just over 100 bags of food, 2,000 pounds, that's one ton of food with Grace Community Food Pantry. Yeah. So because of your food, you helped 150 families that are in tough financial times right now. So thank you guys so much for being epic and providing that food with our partner, Grace Community Food Pantry, as well. And then another way that we can continue to impact our community is through giving. And when we give, we see lives that are changed. We allow people here to connect with God. We allow children to connect with God. We allow ourselves to go into our community and impact our community as well. So there's two Two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section and then also online at theepicchurch.com. And because of that, we're able to do some things that are pretty cool in the community. And so in two weeks, 
on October 19th, we are having our 3G Sunday. So it's not a normal service. There won't be the 915 service. There won't be the 11 o'clock service. Instead, we are gathering here at 815 to check in uh, for the various projects that we are doing in the community. And then at 830, we are gathering in this room just for about 15, 20 minutes to get our final instructions and to go into the community to do about 16 different projects throughout our community here in Flagler County. And so we would love to show you what those projects are. So check this out. All right, so on your benches, you have the opportunities that are available to serve throughout our community. And so 150 of you have already signed up to be a part of 3G Sunday in two weeks. So we need another 150 of you. It would be about this size room here uh, to fill the rest of the projects. And if I can point out a few projects, we need some painters. Even if you don't know how to paint, you can paint. I'm going out there. I'm leading one of the projects. I don't know how to paint, but I'm painting. So uh, if you would come on out and help us because we really need help on those painting projects and then we need help on all of the projects as well. And so uh, today we have physical signups on Site here. So in the back of the room, each of the projects are there on the tables. And so before you leave, would you look at the projects that are still available? Some of them are already filled up and some of them have even filled up this morning. And would you be a part of this great event? Most of these projects will end by noon. Some of them will go into the afternoon. And so you can still check out football that later that afternoon, guys. Uh, so we can all do this. What a great way to play hooky from church instead of being the church out in the community. And so if you would do that, that would be great. And then one final thing tonight, uh, we are having our five-week group experience start tonight or this afternoon and tonight. And so if you're looking to get involved in our community groups for men, women, and couples, Through this five-week experience, by the end of that five weeks, we're going through some great studies, and then you'll be able to form a men's, women's, or a couple's uh, community group. So come on out. Women and couples are at 4 o'clock to 5.30 at Palm Coast Community Church, and then men are at 7 o'clock from 7 to 8.30, and child care is provided at the 4 o'clock window uh, for 6th grade and below. So come on out to Palm Coast Community Church tonight to get plugged in to a community group. Well, guys, thank you so much. Before you leave today, be sure to sign up. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.